The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Messages of Hope. You know, it's really great when I have New York Times bestselling authors and known names as my guests, but you and I both know everybody has a story. And I love talking to regular people who have a big story to tell because aren't all stories pretty universal? And this one is a story of life and joy and grief and despair and the whole cycle of life. I want to introduce you to my guest, Claudia Milligan, who I have met through Helping Parents Heal, because both of us have a child across the veil. In this case, her son, David, who you're going to hear all about here today. In my case, my stepdaughter, Susan. Very different stories, but our story of learning to connect with our children is what brought us together. So before I go any further, I'd like to introduce you to Claudia Milligan. Claudia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm so excited to be here and to be with you. It's the first time we've been one-on-one for over four years. Ah, that's true, because the, the, the first time we were one-on-one in 2019 was when uh, you came to me for a reading to connect with your son, David. Absolutely. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about you or David, and we can talk about that reading as we get into the story. But for now, uh, you have written a book about David's story and your story with him. And it, I, I just, I was grabbed by the very first paragraph, which I want to share with people as we start out here, if, if you don't mind. Listen to this, everybody. This, these are Claudia's words. I had spent too much time in accounting and I knew debits go on the left, credits go on the right, and crystals go in the garbage where they belong. Yeah, that's just the best line. What a way to start a book. <laughs> but look now, right? If you'll, I don't know if you can see them, but there's tons of them. None in the garbage. I do see those. And that is uh, uh, part of the reason you're on the show, not because of the crystals, but because your life has changed as a result of David's passing. And in fact, now I'll go to the last page in your book, where at the end of your biography, you wrote such a unique phrase, which really grabbed my attention. She lived, then David came. She raised him, he passed, he raised her, and she wrote a book, period. Wow, 
Well, why don't you start with the story of you and David, and we'll just let this flow from there. Okay. Um, first, I spent 32 years totally obsessed and wrapped up in the lady in the mirror. Uh, Claudia was the most important thing and, and making sure that I was liked and loved and all that nonsense. Right. That's and, not nonsense. That's that's human nature, I think. Well, you got a point there. That's a kind way to look at it. But when I held David in my arms for the first time, I went from how do I get everybody to love me and how do I get everybody to do what I need them to do so I can be happy to this baby is perfect. And the way he's looking at me, I think he thinks I'm perfect. Mm. And I had never had that experience before. So we were off to the races. Huh. But David proved to have a, a bit of a challenging <laughs> childhood, did he not? Um. I don't know. I've heard that other parents, I don't remember if mine did, but other parents have said to their kids, you just wait till you have a kid and then there's going to be payback time. Huh. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with David. I have always been a little bit strong-willed maybe. Uh, I knew, and, and to, to echo your kindness, I knew what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, and I went there and did that. And then I had somebody that I loved with all my heart who um, who needed me, who wanted me, and who was just as strong-willed and just as I'm going to go there, I'm going to do that as I was. So there was a little bit of headbutting maybe, huh? A little bit? Just a little bit? Well, only on days ending in Y, right? <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, he was my world and he was my purpose. And even when there was that headbutting, um, there was such a love. Uh, the first time I held him, I decided my my goal for him. And I, I've later heard that when you have a dream for somebody else, it's not a dream, it's an expectation. But my dream for him was that he learned to love and to be loved. And you know what? He did that. Okay. So from reading your book and also from connecting with David one-on-one -on -one in spirit, as we did in your reading that I did, I know that David had mental and emotional challenges, correct? He did. He had addictions. He had, and I honestly don't know if he had mental challenges or if he didn't quite belong on this planet. You know, it was and and like Wolf, it was like he had one foot here and one foot there, which left him off balance a lot. So let me just clarify for those of you who haven't read my book, Wolf's Message, that features a young man whose nickname was Wolf who said that very thing. It was like I was in two worlds at once. And 
He said it was very busy in his head. Now, Wolf was diagnosed with schizophrenia, yet when he came through to me as a spirit, he was one of the most powerful souls I had ever connected with. And David said in his reading with me, it's like being, it was like being in two worlds. And uh, you saw the result of that in this world. How did that manifest in your relationship, in his work, anything that he did? Well, first I've heard that, you know, if we really understand someone, there's no way that we can't love them, that we can't have compassion for them. But David was kind of ununderstandable. He was beyond my understanding. First of all, he was extremely intelligent. I think genius. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't think like anybody I was used to talking to, right? And um, so he got into a lot of trouble. Uh, we went through three or four daycares pretty quick, like within a year or two. Oh, so this started really young. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It started at about age three, I think. Wow. Wow. And then he went through school and same kind of challenges? Uh, it was off and on. It depended on whether he was interested in the topic and whether the teacher was interested in allowing for somebody that didn't check all the boxes and follow the lines. So sometimes he would have a teacher that would work with him and he would get straight A's, but that was not the usual. Okay. So I remember when we did the reading, I can still picture that the image that he gave me of him being uh, outdoors working. He was an adult when he passed. He was... He showed me that he didn't he say he was a bit like Pigpen. He showed me the image of Pigpen from Charlie Brown in a loving way. It wasn't at all derogatory, demeaning. He just gave me this funny image of Pigpen. And you confirmed what? <laughs> that he always work, right? Yeah, I'd uh, invite him out to dinner and he'd come over to the house and he'd be wearing his usual attire of the white t shirt that was gray or black. You know? <laughs> I'd be and I, I actually sent you a picture of David's pen pin, uh, pig pen portrait. And uh, that's what he looks like. He was blowing leaves or something and his job is an arborist. And yeah, pig pen fits. Yeah, it was, it, you know, we ask for evidence when we connect with people. And I, I thought, really, you want me to tell your mom you were like pig pen? <laughs> <laughs> you could relate. Gosh. But in the reading, it did come out that David apologized for uh, taking his own life. Yeah. That in itself is evidence that we are connecting with your son because I didn't know that's how he passed. Would you like to, to take us to just the, the time around when he passed? Tell us about your relationship with him and what happened. And um, we had had two years of estrangement um, and then he came back and when he came back we were closer than ever and so many of the moms who have kids in spirit have relationships like this hmm. and um 
we liked each other. We loved each other. We got each other. And when I didn't get him, I let that be okay, which was new for me. I was always trying to get him to fit what I thought he needed to be, you know? And so we had three beautiful years, um, fun years with each other. Um, he, he started struggling again. He went to jail, would have gone to prison, but there was a mistake made. So he was released and three days later, he took his own life. Okay. You talk in your book about having the same experience I had at my stepdaughter Susan's funeral. You looked at his body at the funeral and what happened? Well, yeah, it was at the, actually at the uh, mortuary, the coroner's, right? And uh, I stood in front of this body and it was his body. So I loved that body and I reached down and I touched his shoulder and I kissed his cheek and I turned around where my friends were waiting and said, I'm ready, let's go. And they thought that was very odd. Well, don't you want to sit with him? It's not him. And but That's, the magic of that for I, me was Claudia, I want to interrupt because you said it very softly. And anybody who's only listening to this podcast, I want to make sure you heard exactly what she said to her friends when they said, Don't you want to stay with him? And she said, That's yeah. not him. That's not him. And the beauty of that was. Not only did I know that my David spirit wasn't in that body anymore, but I knew that it was somewhere else. And I had never gotten that before. Yeah, that, that was the same for me. And I know so many of you watching or listening can identify with that because you just suddenly know there is something that enlivens the body and it's not part of the body. It's the spirit that's so much bigger than the body than the body can't be contained in the body and still exists. Which yeah. it started to show you fairly quickly, right? Tell us about that. Oh, uh, David passed in the afternoon on a Monday, and that Friday, I spoke out loud to him like I often do. Uh, David, I love you. He always seems to be in the, you know, near the ceiling. David, I love you. And I heard a thought in my head, love you too, mom. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that not always, but at first he would come through in a thought with his voice attached to it, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense to me because I've talked to thousands of souls across the veil, people who loved ones want to hear from, and their thoughts sound like my thoughts. But when my stepdaughter Susan or people who I, I knew in person here, like my friend Brenda, when they come through, it's their voice. Like you imitated David there. That's very different from your voice. And <laughs> I'll bet he continues to talk to you in that way. He does. Um, less like that. Um, just because I write to him every morning. And so we will have a conversation in the morning. But there are still times when I'll hear 
something like he would be sarcastic or funny and he really mom really <laughs> or or I'll talk to him and when I talk to him most of the time he'll talk back and we can have a conversation and there are times when it feels like he's not there I can't feel him I can't sense him and when I need him, I'll just say out loud, David, I need you. And when I first started doing that, he would prove to me. I would feel his presence palpably. Or I would just know, or he would say, you're fine, you're okay. He told me that a lot. Um, so now I don't need that proof. I just say, David, and I know he's there. I mean, I, I know he's always there, but when I use his name out loud, I know he's there and paying attention, I should say. Well, I love how you talked about that palpable difference. I love that you you admit there are times when you know he's not present in awareness because you can't feel him. And there is a, a tangible difference between when you are interacting and when he's not activating that that uh, awareness. Yeah, and I don't know if I just made this up or if he told me this, but it's almost like as if you and I were maybe sitting on the couch together watching TV. We're sorted together, but we're sort of not together. We're focused on the TV. Or we could be sitting on the couch right next to each other and telling each other our deepest, darkest secrets and totally, totally present to each other. And it feels like David could be one or the other of those. And when I call his name out loud, boom, he's there. I love that analogy. You use it in your book and it's it's perfect because as I've heard from so many souls, beginning with my friend Brenda, there is only here in awareness. So it's not as if he's physically sitting on the couch next to you. That's a metaphor you're using. But yes next to you, just like all of us, our loved ones are next to us in another dimension, meaning in an energy information way, like connected as soul family. They are always here, but they're just not paying attention to us. Like when you're engaged in a conversation, they're, they're doing their own thing, but here on a different channel. Is that pretty much what you're saying? Yes, exactly. I've even had one mom say, uh, my daughter and I both want to know if he's watching when we take a shower. That's a common. Oh. And I just laughed and I said, why would he? Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good reply. Very good. Well, let's get back to the, 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 one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because of something that David said in the reading I did for you, which has proved so helpful to many people whose loved ones passed by completing suicide. And what David said after validating his presence with all kinds of evidence and the personality that left you saying, this is David, even gave me his name, which I don't always get accurate names. Yeah. yeah. He said that, the people who met him said, we're surprised you lasted as long as you did yeah. in human form. Now, if you would allow me to just 
explain that from my point of view for a minute, Claudia. This question of suicide and soul planning comes up a lot. And we learn, and I trust that at the soul level, we do plan our lifetimes. But there are some people who question, do we plan to take our own lives if we end up passing by suicide? Was that part of the soul's plan? And I have asked my guides several times in different ways to be more sure of the answer. I can't be absolutely sure till I cross the veil, but the answer I got has been each time, no, it is not part of the soul's plan. However, in some cases, the soul says, I'm going to choose these parents, these life situations, this body that perhaps will have some of the wiring not quite the same as other human beings for the challenges it's going to offer me. And the guides who are doing the soul planning with the soul say, wow, I don't know, that's a really tough challenge you're going to take on. Are you sure you're up to that? And the souls, this is like a metaphor. It's kind of like, put me in coach. I can do it because I know it's going to give me all these opportunities to really practice turning up my light and be in the presence of love. And I might give other people around me a lot of opportunities to practice unconditional love. And the guides say, you know, you may want to come back early. You may make a choice, but we'd really like you to stick around as long as you can and stick it out till the end. That's the goal. Are you with me so far, Claudia? Absolutely. And I love the way you explained it with, no, that doesn't make sense to plan a suicide. Right. However, and there's always a however. I get kind of irritated when I hear spiritual teachers say, this is the way it is. This is always the way. There's no exceptions. How do you know that? But um, also the understanding with David that he really reached out to learn and do as much as possible in his life. And he got to a place where he couldn't anymore. That's right. Where there was only one resource only one solution that he had left he said in in the reading he said i just couldn't see any other option at that point yeah and that as a mom that gives me so much compassion for him and some moms and i i remember standing in the garage one day telling david exactly what i thought of him and then oh i'm so sorry it's okay it's okay to be mad at me and so many moms are either angry at their kids or they fight with that and say oh i can't be angry you know and uh, so the the understanding that I got from that bit in the reading about how hard he tried to do what he had planned to do in this life, it gave a whole new spin to David's life. I, I th- and you you said put me in coach, and I think of. You know, the the sports announcers who say, 
He didn't do it, but watching him try was phenomenal. And I can have that attitude towards David's life. And, and I know other moms and dads and loved ones can too. But over and over and over, I hear of people who just want to go join their loved one. And I, I never went to, I'm going to buy 30 pills and take them all on Tuesday. But I, how many times did I think, oh, for a bus to hit me would be so nice, such a relief. And, I'll, and, and we don't talk about that until we know it's okay to talk about that. And so I talk about that a lot. And a lot of the times when I'm doing a reading for another parent, the kid will bring it up. Don't you dare go. You got things to do. I got things to do. We can do them together, but not if we're in the both, both in the same place. And I love that. Yeah. And what do you advise to those other parents and any family member who is really, really wanting to join their loved one. I mean, we, we can tell them that's not the purpose. We can tell them their loved ones want to stay here, but any guidance you give them that's super helpful? The only thing I can tell them is my experience. And what I have learned is that by staying here, I truly believe I can do things with my life that David can no longer do with his life in spirit. And he can also do things in spirit I can't do here. And we can still work together and we can still be actually closer than ever. David has told me, hey, I, I've got friends in high places. I can, I can help you in ways I never could before. And I still miss his physical being. I still miss feeding him lasagna. But when you think about it, for me anyway, that's 20-25% of the loss. The rest of the loss is no new memories, no new pictures, no back and forth, no conversations. And the only thing I'm missing out on is the physical the feeding him lasagna, the seeing him at the door with his two dogs. Because um, the point is you do have new conversations with him. I'd like to move into that because your book is called Letters to David because you started writing to him just after he passed. And you, as you said earlier, you write to him every morning. and Almost every morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, tell us how that started and... I know you had a lot of doubt in the beginning because your book is filled with the back and forth of the agony of thinking you were making it up. Right. Well, and what I'll tell people a lot is that for 60 years, I had gotten lessons on what was possible and what was not possible. And I had limits. And no, I don't. Um, and I learned, I had been writing letters after I had an interesting experience where I almost died. And I just started writing in a new way. I started writing to God or to my higher power or to people in spirit I thought would be fun to talk to in exactly the same way. 
Hey, how you doing today? Uh, I'm really having trouble with, can you help me out? Love, Claudia. Hi, Claudia. You're doing fine. Relax a little. Love God or whatever. So I knew that if I could talk to God like that, I could talk to David. So I started just two months, less than two months after he passed. And I didn't believe it was David because it couldn't be. And I it was just happening because I wanted it so much. That was your belief. But I knew that even if I was making it up, when I read what I had written or what David had written the day before, and he just said, I love you, mom. You're doing fine. You're getting through. Love, David. Even if it wasn't David, it brought me peace. And so I kept up until one day I just said, I know that's you. <laughs> and once I know something, I don't unknow it, you know. You did have several experiences though that left no doubt whatsoever. So beyond the letters, do you wanna share a couple of those? Really great. I call them NOE, no other explanation moments. Uh, yeah, I love that NOE. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, the experience with, in Reiki. Uh, early on, this, you know, crystals in the garbage woman was told, oh, you need to see a Reiki medium. And, and because I was in enough pain, I did. And I was laying on the table and she was holding my head way longer than she'd ever held my head before. And I was like, what's going on? So I finally opened my eyes to tell her how she should do Reiki. And she wasn't holding my head. She was over by my ankles. And I said, I thought you were holding my head. And she said, oh, that's David. Oh, that's David. <laughs> but I mean, you know, a physical touch it's hard to argue with. That's true. So, yeah. and, and he showed up a lot of times. He likes to show up with his name. People I've never met will say, oh yeah, my friend David, or, or I'll see a sign when I'm thinking of him. But so many, and, and some of them, you know, an accountant's mind can always come up with some other explanation. How about the can of beans story? Remember that one? That was just funny. A friend, um, David often showed up and made himself known and even had conversations with friends of mine who were not mediums, who were not into this weird stuff that Claudia was into all of a sudden. And I was talking to my friend, Laura, and she goes, he's around, he's around a lot. What do you, what do you mean? Well, I was cleaning out the pantry and the beans were like way back here. And all of a sudden they rolled forward and fell down on the ground. And I knew it was David. How'd you know it was David? I just knew. Hmm. And I heard that so often. I knew I was supposed to walk to the tree. How'd you know? I just knew. I just knew. That's clear cognizance. Yeah. From people who don't know they have that, right? Well, we all have that, but 
Yeah, when somebody passes and you start tuning in more to how you feel and that knowing that the soul survives death, that turns up and it becomes more of uh, more common in our occurrences and our experiences to have those occurrences. Yeah. There's a painting behind me, the blue with the steps and uh, a friend of mine painted it for me. And when I went to pick it up, she wanted to tell me something. I knew she wanted to tell me something, but it was hard for her to say. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And she said, well, you should probably know David's been hanging out with me while I paint this. How'd you know it was that I just knew? <laughs> what did he say? Oh, he'd say stuff like, I really like that bit you just did. Mama liked that too. And again, no previous experiences like that. Yeah. So you're not the only one who, who awakened to the greater reality as a result of David's passing. I find it very interesting. Your journey is very similar to so many that our grief turns into a gift when we allow ourselves to feel it. You talk a lot in your book about how at first you idealized David's life and he was the perfect child, right? Or you were the perfect mother. Would you talk about how that went from everything being perfect to, to seeing truth and how that changed over time? Yeah. First of all, it was very painful. And I didn't do that all David's life. David was definitely David. And I was definitely the lady who once chased him around the house. You know, I knew that. But after he passed, I just had a need in me, I guess, to see David as this perfect child and me as this amazing mother who taught David how to love. And it just, I wasn't ready to feel the pain that went with all the memories of seeing David manacled on the sidewalk when he was 16 or something, you know, or, or those kind of things. And one night, um, I, I was right into writing the book and it was just like I had this feeling. Oh, hold on a minute. And I wasn't remembering clearly. That's what it felt like. And I started digging out old emails, old letters. And I started reading my own words. How are you going to argue with your own words? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All these words about who David was sometimes and who I was sometimes. And um, I'm grateful uh, you, you get beautiful messages from Sanaya. I get messages and have conversations with somebody I call she. And she said something like, you know, it, yeah, great thing, St. David, St. Claudia, great thing, but uh, he's not a cartoon character. <laughs> and so I, in the writing of this book, there was a lot of healing as I put the stories together, the, story, the cartoons I had written and also the reality. I love that she is an acronym for what? Well, um, 
she used to be the highest possible healing energy. <laughs> and it you know, yeah. when when healing connects, energy, the supreme uh, healing energy, she because yeah. when I connect, like you, I would imagine when I connect a spirit, I get really attached, connected with them. And I say, I can't call you that anymore. Oh, just call me supreme healing energy. She, you can refer to me as she. And I love, she said to you at one point, I want you to think of your relationship with yourself. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I still remember the feeling that I got when she said that. Because um, similarly to those ideas about David, I had to make myself a cartoon character. Because if I really looked closely, there were parts of me in my, especially in my past, um, I didn't want to look at. I didn't want to remember. I wanted to be St. Claudia all the way through. <laughs> so how did you go through that healing? How, what is it that caused you to be able to feel everything, including the grief? Wow. Um, with that particular piece, it was I was just called to it. I just knew that I needed to be reading some things that I had written in those moments, those ugly, painful moments. And when I read those and remembered, I felt I couldn't stop from feeling. But I've learned, and you know, some of it is uh, some of it is Buddhist, I guess. But I've learned that if I feel the feeling is going to rise up and it's going to peak and then it's going to go away. I they never taught me that in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I had Dr. Melvin Morse on the show, and he talked about so many of his uh, the prisoners in prison saying having no basic life skills. And nothing could be more basic than being aware of our own thoughts, being aware of what we're feeling. Yet instead, we learn to stuff it down. And that causes us to turn to alcohol and drugs and poor choices. But yeah. absolutely correct. Once you started noticing your grief, it would come up, it would peak, and it would go down again. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I... I, alcohol doesn't seem to work for me. Thank God, I guess. But it doesn't, I mean, some people, for some people, it's food or control or addictions of all sorts. But, you know, then I don't have to look at myself. Yeah. Then I don't have to win the prize, though. Then I don't have to. But I know that from your writing letters to David, that actually led to you looking at yourself. It actually accelerated your healing. Yeah. These letters. Yeah. Um, early on, I was watching a TED talk, and I, you know, like a lot of people, after big grief, I became insatiable. Podcasts, books, everything that I could uh, come to some understanding in. And there was a woman who said it had had a lot of loss and said to a friend, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. And her friend said, well, maybe it's the best thing. 
And I was sitting there and my jaw dropped open, but I tried it on like you would put on a jacket in the, in the store, you know, how does this fit? And I don't want to be heard by anybody real new to grief, but more and more and more, it became clear to me that it was the best thing. Um, for David, David was happy very little time. Not, not completely unhappy, but I know he's okay now. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. And I was so closed down in terms of spirit. And when David left, I, you know, as I said, he raised me. He helped me open that door to spirit. I had so little I would accept. I would not look at so much. But when you open, start opening the doors, there's no limits. You know, most people say I would never ask for this. And at the human level, we certainly don't. But David may not have made a deliberate plan to take his own life at the soul level. Yet, one of the best questions we can ask instead of why is, what can I do to honor yeah. my loved one? And what you've done is, is changed your life, found purpose in your life. And I've also heard that how, that why is not a spiritual question, but how can be that spiritual question. Uh, one of the things that I would often do with David, uh, I found that I could say, hey, David, it's uh, Mother's Day in the UK. Can you have all the kids write a letter to all the parents or all the moms? You're talking about after David passed, you're writing to him in a letter and asking him to have the kids across the veil write a Mother's Day letter to, to their all the moms. And so part of that letter was the kids said, pretend we're all in a big basket underneath a hot air balloon. And if one of us throws off a resentment or something nasty, we all rise. Hmm. So, you know, if I mean, I've heard people say, well, the only thing I can do anything about is me. And I'll say, we all rise. That's the truth. That's a good one. Nice visual. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, um, uh, a friend, I, I, I said this when I talked once and a friend of mine gave me this. And for those of you who are only listening to this on a podcast and can't see the video, it's a it's a beautiful craft with a, a, a handicraft with a balloon on it, a hot air balloon, the symbol from the story. Very nice. 
Because it just, there's so much out there that we all need to fix, right? Yeah. Uh, that's where I go. Oh, I got to take care of that over there, 5,000 miles away. No, just do you. Just huh. be you. Yeah. Well, you've done a beautiful job of that. You're doing a lot of smiling on this show with a very, very serious subject. And a lot of people out there still hurting. What do you have to say to them? Be gentle with yourself. Um, sometimes it feels like the pain is never going to go away or it's not even going to dissipate. And at one point, I finally understood those horrible, horrible nights were temporary, that the pain dissipated, faded until the next time. But once I knew that the pain was going to go away for a while, I knew I could make it. Just keep on keeping on, but find find your village also, because we need to tell each other, remember when the sun comes up, you're going to feel better. That's right. And I can't tell myself that sometimes. Well, you, you speak about having gone through four phases. Can you yeah. share those with us? Sure. Uh, and um, I stole um, three of them, I borrowed them. Um, I was going to a group called Survivors of Suicide, and that was really helpful for me. But somebody said, well, for me, uh, I learned that there were three phases to my grief. First, I was so obsessed on the details of how my son died. And I could relate to that. Then I was totally focused on that my son died. So I backed up a little. And then it was that my son lived. I remembered that he got to be in my life. I got to be in his. And I went away and I thought about that for a year or two. And then I realized that there was a fourth phase that he still lives amen and and i love that and i want to share with all of you this wondrous moment that happened after the reading when i met david through my session with you the reading i did for you and that is that i had felt david as a, a big man and with a, a kind of a slow lumbering gait and you sent me a photo of him and he's looking down. It's a profile picture of him looking off to the side. And probably a day or so after doing that reading, I got my daily message from my guide, Sanaya. I was posting it for the Daily Way website. We didn't have the Awaken Way app back then, but I was posting it. And it was all about there being different levels of reality. And this beautiful song, came on one of the song services that we listened to on our radio. And I'd never heard it before. And I said to Ty, hey, honey, as I'm typing at my computer, would you see what that song is? Because that's so pretty. I want to get that. And he read to me. I want to make sure I got the name of the song right. He says, Ty reached out and he says, it says the name of the song is Two Worlds by Enigmatic Encounter. And I thought, wow, that's pretty timely because... 
I'm typing Sanaya's message about there being different levels of reality. And for some reason, and I say that in quotation marks because we know it's a favorite <laughs> thing, right? I said, could I see what that album cover looks like? And Ty said, sure, because it's on the, the phone through which this system was playing. And he brings it over to me and I gasped. You remember this, right, Claudia? Uh, very much so, yes. Yeah. We're going to put a picture of this for those of you watching on video, but those of you who are only listening on, on audio, I'll explain it. It shows a profile picture of a man. He's looking down and it's kind of cloudy because it's showing he's in two worlds. And we put David's picture beside the album cover. It's like David on the cover. The two men are looking exactly the same way. Their nose is the same shape. In that moment, I just, I have goosebumps now telling it. The way Spirit brought that together to just validate what David had said, exactly what he said in the readings. It's like I'm in two worlds, mom. And your letters to him for years now, you kept it up regularly, have shown you that, yes, it may be two apparently different worlds, but he's right here. Really awesome. And and you told me about that, that day, the next day, whatever. But I was blown away because the subject line on the email where you told me that story was OMG exclamation point. And just a reminder that no matter how many NOEs there are, no other explanations we still get to be blown away by the amazing brilliance of spirit. That's absolutely right. Does David still blow you away and give you OMG moments? Yes. Um, my, I'm going to tell one that's in the book because it's maybe one of my favorite moments. Um, I got an opportunity to go to the UK for uh, three weeks. And there was one point during a sacred sites tour and we went to a holy well and the well entrance was very small. So one at a time we went down and the other 28 of us stood in a circle in a clearing by the trees. And I looked up and I saw David sitting in the tree grinning at me. And that happens. That's not great. often enough, but sometimes. Um, and then right after that, this person I didn't even really know, I knew her name, but she tapped me on the shoulder and, and Lisa says, I got to talk to you. And when the circle broke up, she said, David wants me to take your picture in that tree and pointed to the tree that David had been in. She took my picture. She took a look at it. She said, no, he says you have to be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> but the same tree where you actually saw him. I love that. I love that other people have validated his presence for you. But I think the bottom line for this whole program, this whole discussion centers on the fact that even though you felt at the beginning that you needed proof, it was your heart that showed you what you already knew. That's him. He's right here. 
And that's one of the big lessons of mine. I'm letting go of what my head's saying, not always. And I'm listening closer to my heart. I'm finding out my heart knows. And the moms will say, oh, um, this happened. Is that a sign? And I'll tell them, I don't tell anybody else what a sign is. But how did you feel? Oh, I felt so happy. Who do you think it was? Oh, it was him. But they decide that. Somebody else doesn't. That's right. That's right. That's why it's cool. Beautiful. And, you know, it's funny because David brought up Wolf from my book, Wolf's Message. And that was Wolf's main message. We are out of balance. We are too much in the head. We have to get out. We humans have to get out of the head and more into the heart. And so there are some things such as the spirit world that we can't prove right now in using our technology. We can prove it like we do in a court of law with the preponderance of the evidence. <laughs> yes. However, the heart just knows. And that's, that's what leads to healing. Yeah. And when I meditate, I, I, I do a lot of imaginative work and people will laugh at me because I'll say a lot of times before I meditate, I'll, I'll pick up my brain and take it out to the hallway and close the door. But unfortunately, I've learned I need my brain, you know, and I need it to work with my heart. But now it's like, my brain is the servant and my heart and my soul are the master. Very nice. You, you talk about a phrase in the book that I feel will be an excellent way to wrap up this program. And that is the use of the phrase, what's next? Yeah. Oh. Tell us how that can be used for healing. Well, I've done it with probably literally a hundred people plus myself. But first of all, what's next? I, I start out by focusing on where I'm at, what I might see, what I might, different things that are around me. It helps me be present. And then considering a challenge, I just say out loud, what's next? And I've learned from watching people, you know, that the soul takes a couple seconds to answer. But the mind will kick in and go, oh, you need to fly to uh, somewhere or whatever. Clarify here because um, I'm a little confused. Okay, I'm sorry. So when I, I, I do a centering a exercise to make sure I'm present, why are we doing this to communicate with our loved ones across the veil or is this for our uh, No, to be to be present enough so that my brain, my head gets out of the way. For what purpose? To be able to listen to my heart, the angels, the spirits, you pick. Okay. And then I'll just say out loud, what's next? And what I want to see is a map all marked off with the place that I'm going to end up at. But that's not what I get. I get relax or pay attention or focus. I get one step. 
And that's what I get from spirit. I get the next step. That's it. That's all I need. Hmm. So what's next? What's next for, for me? Just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but for a lot of the moms, it's relax. Hold on. And they can hold on to their kids. They can hold on to their kids. And so many of them get told by people around them that, you know, let go. Just just give it up. Let go. Stop it. You've been grieving for two months. <laughs> but we can hold on to those we love in spirit. We don't have to let go of them. And our journey continues with them and it's ongoing healing. And the more we move forward with our loved ones who have passed, whether children, spouses, parents, siblings, friends, partners, doesn't yeah. matter. We move forward together and yeah. ask them what's next. We can ask our guides what's next. And it's the listening that provides the insights and the guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us how you've continued moving forward with your son, David. And I thank David for teaching us a lot about life and its challenges and how across the veil, even though he passed the way he did by, by choosing to return before his planned time, he is still fine and able to help you grow even more. Yeah. Thank you very much, Suzanne. I really appreciate this opportunity. It's been wonderful. Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you've taken some nuggets of wisdom here and been able to, to apply this to your own lives and see how you might move forward with greater ease and certainly with greater peace and love. I love you all. We'll see you back here next week. Hi, everybody. This is Suzanne. If you find my podcast helpful, you can help me be a messenger of hope by following or subscribing to the Messages of Hope podcasts. This makes sure you never miss an episode. To do this, go to the Messages of Hope show page on mindbodyspirit.fm or Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Tap the plus sign in the upper right corner or just click follow. While you're there, why not give us a five-star rating or review and share an episode with a friend? My team and I appreciate you very much. And we hope you can feel deep in your heart and soul that you are so very loved. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcast.